Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers. So a few weeks back, I interviewed the amazing Amanda Bible on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. And we talked about money mindset. And we also discussed the different insecure attachment styles that we may have with our businesses. And she also gave us some tips for moving towards a place of more confidence and a more secure attachment style so we can start charging what we're worth prioritizing and valuing our time, and really growing and scaling our businesses. I loved the conversation so much that I asked Amanda to do an additional one-hour deep dive training just for Playmaker Society members, since every month they get their own advanced training that remains exclusive inside of the membership, and she generously agreed. And I knew Amanda would be the perfect fit to do this training, not just because she's brilliant and I think this topic is so important, but because she's also a member of Playmaker Society and she's taken my Play Cafe Academy course and she's just a few months away from opening an indoor playground of her own. And the training took place a couple weeks ago and it was so amazing and got such great feedback. And again, while the full training is just for Playmaker Society members. And all the information, if you're interested in joining, is in the show notes of this episode. But there was one little nugget of knowledge that I've just not been able to stop thinking about. 
In just a few short weeks, it's flipped my cost-benefit analysis process and decision-making process on its head. And literally, I'll be going through like my day-to-day or I'll be washing the dishes or something, and this will just pop up in my head. Because I can definitely admit that at times, I have an insecure attachment style with my own business, and that's something I'm working on. And I do think that having a secure attachment with your business or with a partner is a practice and it's something you have to work on every single day. And especially as we head into a potential recession and there's so much craziness going on in the world, it's easy to let those insecure thoughts pop up like, what if someone begins to copy me and takes all my customers? Or, wow, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next several months. I need to cut hours and I need to start, start, you know, scaling back my expenses and I really need to start hoarding away money. But this one thing Amanda said has already helped me so much. And literally as she was going through this training, I wrote this down and underlined it. And she said, when you have an opportunity to make an investment in your business, whether that's a new tool or investing in a new skill or set of knowledge or something similar, you should ask yourself, is this expensive or is it actually expansive? So often, those of us that get those insecure thoughts popping up will look at an investment opportunity, even if it's a simple tool that will make our lives way easier for only like $20 a month, and we think, nope, don't need that, I can live without it. And we're only looking at the cost part of the equation. Because even if we do decide to do a full cost-benefit analysis to determine if we're actually going to get a return on this investment, we are often forgetting two critical factors. And I'm speaking to everybody listening to this podcast right now, but I'm especially speaking to the women because this is something that comes up so often with my women clients. And especially those of us women and men who have been stay-at-home parents who have done a ton of childcare and cooking and cleaning, stuff that absolutely matters when you think about the happiness and healthiness of a family and of a home, but doesn't necessarily generate an hourly wage. So we're often forgetting two critical factors in this cost-benefit analysis. Number one, we forget to value our time. So if something is going to save us five hours per month, We think, well, I don't need to pay myself, so this is an unnecessary expense, right? Because we think that our time is not valuable. Or number two, we forget about opportunity cost. And simply put, in this situation, the opportunity cost is what we're giving up if we choose not to make this investment. So if we're saying no to a tool that's going to save us, let's say, five hours per month, We need to remember that time is finite. So what else could you be doing with that five hours per month? You could be learning a new skill. You could be launching a new revenue stream. You could be working with a coach. You could be documenting your system so that you can potentially set your business up for a nice profitable sale someday. Or you could be spending time with your family and resting. Something we really underestimate as business owners that can make us better leaders and better owners, not to mention better partners and better parents, 
is that rest. There is so much potential upside in getting five hours per week back. We can always make and generate more money, but we can't always create more time. We are only given 24 hours per day every day. So the more we can delegate to make that time that we have more purposeful and the more we can operate within our genius zones, which we're going to talk more about later in this episode, the more successful and most importantly, the happier we will be. And as I was writing this episode, it came to me that this mindset about time versus money is one of my biggest key indicators that I use when I'm determining, even if it's just like in my own mind, whether an indoor playground business is going to succeed or fail. If a prospective owner goes into this process with a scarcity mindset and is willing to cut any corners necessary just because they're afraid of going all in and accepting the risk that their business might fail or fall short of their expectations, if that's the case, if that's the mindset that they're going into this with, then they likely will fail. So many prospective owners will listen to all my free content and they won't invest in my courses or consulting or anything like that, but they'll open up and they'll come to me afterward and they'll say, well, why is my business not generating nearly enough revenue as this other business that I follow on Instagram? Or why am I not able to book $1,000 plus premium parties in my space? And what a lot of people forget is that if we expect our customers to not only invest their hard-earned money in our business by booking these high-ticket premium events, they're also trusting us with their children's special moments and milestones. But if we're expecting that of them, we need to have invested that same premium money and time into our business. If you sign the cheapest lease you can find, do a minimal maybe DIY style build out if you don't add a cafe since it will be too expensive. And if you decorate with just, you know, a few things from Target, you don't hire an interior designer and maybe you fill your space with toys people can pretty much find in their homes. What else would you expect? This is a situation where you really get what you give. And so many people don't really see this as a cause and effect scenario. But I have a unique perspective here since I get to be behind the scenes of hundreds of indoor playground businesses and therefore I get a front row seat very often to the launching and build out process. And if there is a lot of scarcity mindset and money hoarding going on, if there are a lot of corners being cut, if there's a lot of fear around spending money or even just a lack of planning or just a rushed process. I can easily see that this mindset, even if they intend it to shift, it's not going to go away after the build out is done. That's typically how this person is going to operate their business every single day and every single month and, you know, all the way up till they decide to close. And that's often, unfortunately, what it comes to. And while it may not be obvious to that particular owner, It's usually quite obvious to the people who are not booking with them or signing up as members or frequenting their facilities. And that's why I encourage my students to save up by 
doing things like soft play rentals or mobile events or even social media management or party planning or mobile classes for years if necessary to save up the amount needed or obtain the true amount needed via funding for a proper build out and launch. Because honestly, the worst part of working in this industry, and this is way more common than you'd probably expect, but the worst part is seeing someone whose heart is just filled with kindness and passion and truly honorable intentions to make their community better. It's seen them fail simply because they rushed to get to opening day and They didn't go through the proper process or they did a minimum build out or they started really small with the hope of someday expanding, which doesn't typically work out, or they just couldn't invest in a premium play experience or structures or anything like that. And maybe a lot of that rushing to opening day had a lot to do with fear of competition. But again, it typically goes back to poor planning and a lot of fear. And just to give you an example, I had a woman named Nellie join my my course, my Play Cafe Academy course, and she was literally one of the first people to ever go through my program and then join Playmaker Society. It was like way back in 2018. And she was extremely active in the group back then. She was working really hard to go through every single step that I had laid out for her properly. She was, you know, doing every single step She was watching every single training. She was working so hard and she allowed the process to be as slow as it needed to be, to be able to do it right. And to be honest, honest, like around the pandemic, she kind of dropped off the map for a while. And sometimes when that happens, I just think that people decided to go a different way with their business or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's really not my business. That is until she popped back in literally earlier this year, or actually it was the end of 2022, and she all of a sudden shared that her dream space had finally been open for a few months by that point. And let me tell you, all of our jaws, especially those of us playmakers who had been there from the beginning, our jaws were on the floor. So I'm going to link to her website. Her space is called Layla's Little Neighborhood. And when you see the pictures of this space, you're going to see what I mean, because she truly brought her dream business to life. And I posted some pictures with her permission, and the post almost instantly had hundreds, if not thousands of comments and shares and likes. And immediately, I noticed people comparing their success to hers. And some of these people were in the group, some of these people were outside of the group, and They were asking what her secrets were because, you know, maybe they had been open for six months or a year and they just weren't able to break through to make what they wanted to make as owners. And, you know, Nellie seemed to be this overnight success. And what a lot of people weren't seeing or were forgetting to look at was the years of work that she had done behind the scenes to sow what she was now able to reap. And again, she was going through the steps. She was watching the training. She was listening to every single word. She was showing up to coaching calls. She was asking a ton of questions and she was saving up to do this thing right. Or these people that were, you know, celebrating her success were simply admiring the end result and thought to themselves, you know, I can do this. If if she can do it, I can do it. But what they don't see in that finished product and that celebration is again, 
the years of work and persistence and planning and investing in knowledge and coaching. And again, that's one of the reasons that I think my course is so important is because I've already made all the mistakes. I've already learned all the lessons. I have now almost eight years, not only owning my own businesses in the indoor playground industry, but coaching others. I know what works and what doesn't work. So why would you want to go through this process, figuring it all out on your own when you're given a fast track to success and profitability? And sorry, I'm getting off my soapbox now, but another example is Gloria, who owns Luma Space in LA, in Los Angeles, California, for my non-US listeners. She also joined my course right in that first year, and she was up against a tough real estate market in LA. Rent prices were crazy high and openings were far and few between. But she was patient and worked really hard and she did not compromise or rush to sign the first lease that kind of sort of fit her vision. And I'll also link to Gloria's amazing space because you'll see that patience paid off. And if you're multitasking or distracted right now, I want you to come back to me because this is important. Everyone, and I mean everyone, wants the magic pill or the secret formula for success. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes the magic formula is that. The only magic formula is that if you're going to be rushed and stingy and cheap when opening your business, you're going to attract customers that are stingy and cheap. If you don't value your business enough, to give it the time and attention that's needed to launch properly, your customers will not be doing so either. And they will not value your time. They will not value your services. And they're definitely not going to value your space. So they're going to come. They're not going to want to pay full price. They're going to break everything. They're going to be very rude to your staff. So again, your expectations in terms of what revenue you'll bring in and what you make and take home as an owner need to be aligned with what you are willing to invest, both time and effort-wise. If you're expecting to charge $100 a month for a membership and command $500 plus for each party, you better be delivering a premium experience that matches that price point. If you're expecting to charge $50 for an event ticket, You can't just go to the dollar store and throw together some lackluster goodie bags and decorations and print out some coloring pages and say, here you go. Thanks for the money. And just to reiterate, I am not saying that there is not a market out there for price conscious customers. There are plenty of people that you could potentially serve who can't or won't spend $500 on a birthday party or $50 for a unique event experience. You can spend less and operate really leanly and be successful. But your expectations of what that success is going to look like have to be adjusted. And as I was just saying a minute ago regarding learning from somebody who went before you, if you're not willing to invest a couple hundred dollars in a course or in a membership or even in a one-on-one consultant, whether it's me or whether it's not me, your expectation needs to be that you're going to have to learn all of those lessons that we've all already learned yourself. It's going to take you much longer to reach that place of profitability. It is not going to be that fast track that others can promise you, again, myself included. 
So your expectations have to be adjusted in terms of who you'll be attracting when it comes to your customers, who you'll be working with, what you'll be able to charge, how many people you'll be able to hire, and therefore how much you'll be able to delegate. And that honestly brings me to the two most important things that when I speak to indoor playground owners, really define their version of success. So again, just to reiterate, to I, that was probably confusing how I put that. But when I speak to indoor playground owners, I say, what does success for you look like? And their answer usually centers around two things. Number one, how they spend their days. So are they behind the counter all the time? Are they trying to juggle multiple kids and, you know, trying to wear one on their back and hold one on their hip? And they're just frantically, you know, trying to serve customers and also be a good parent. And then they're going home and their house is dirty and they're not able to eat well because they're always just having time for fast food. And they're doing all the little things in their business, like ordering and cleaning and answering every email. And they're literally wearing all the hats in their business. That is not what success looks like to me, and that's not what success will look like for a lot of people. And if that's what it looks like to you, then that's okay. But again, most people, their version of success is spending their days exactly how they want to. It's not being tied to their physical location. It's not having to show up to every single party every single time or answer every phone call or answer every email or run every errand right? We want that time freedom in addition to the financial freedom that comes with being a business owner. If you're doing all the things in your business, that's not really a business. That's a job. And that's a really terrible, abusive work environment at that. And that financial freedom brings me to my next point. So the next way people that I speak to generally define success is the amount of income that they're able to take home from their business. So not necessarily the gross revenue that they're able to generate, but how much of that ends up in their personal bank account. And a lot of that has to do with, again, how you manage your finances. I always recommend utilizing the profit first method. And again, I have a ton of episodes on that. But anyways, again, the income that you're actually able to take home as an owner is important because As Amanda also said in the training, even if we say, you know, we're not in it for the money, we just want to create impact and we want to create these fun memories for our kids. It is a lot about the money. I just recently posted a YouTube video about my motivation and how I stay so motivated and passionate in my business. And even though a lot of it is not directly tied to money, a lot of it is indirectly tied to money. So for example, the amount of resources that I have available to me to help my autistic six-year-old adapt in the world and grow and flourish in a system that doesn't always seem like it's designed to help him. So money means more resources. Money in that situation means more options, more ability to hire more help, more therapists, private therapists. He can go to a private school if we want him to. So again, while this isn't necessarily directly tied to how much money I make, Money does open these doors of opportunity and it does give us a completely different lifestyle than we would have if we were simply running an expensive hobby and not an actual business that generates income for us as the owners. So again, just to reiterate that most people's version of success is how they spend their days and how much income they're able to take home. And a lot of that has to do with how you look at money. 
if you're hoarding it, or if you're willing to spend it when it makes sense in order to expand your business. And again, that's why I wrote down literally as Amanda was doing that training, I wrote down expensive or expansive, and I underlined it a bunch of times. And that's what I'm going to ask myself every single time the opportunity to make an investment in my business comes up. I'm going to say, does this allow me to get closer to my definition, my version of success? And if that answer is yes, and if the cost-benefit analysis, again, when I'm valuing my time and all that good stuff, if the answer is yes, I'm going to make that investment every single time. Now, there are a couple more examples that I wanted to share where this whole expensive versus expansive mindset comes into play. And these are all episodes I've done, so I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes as well. But the first is the recent podcast episode that I did about that ad event tool. And if you missed that episode, again, I will link it, but it's essentially a calendar syncing tool that every single time you create a new event or a new class or something like that, it automatically syncs with your customer's calendar. And it doesn't send them like an annoying text or notification, but when they look at their calendar and say, oh, what's coming up this weekend, they'll see any new classes or events that you're having. And that can be a great way to not just increase your event sales, but also act expansive in other ways. So if you're not spending all of the time that you typically would writing emails to sell event tickets, writing Facebook posts, doing live videos, doing all the things to make sure this event sells out, if you're able to do that automatically, that saves up so much time and mental and creative energy and freedom. So now you're able to reallocate that time towards other things that could grow your business. Again, all through this one automated tool that does have a free version, but I think the basic version is just $19 a month. And not only does that free up your time and creative energy, it also frees up space in your customers' inboxes and in your social media feeds. So whereas you might have sent two or three emails about that particular event, if you don't need to send those emails now, You can send emails about other things, other offers. You can book more parties. You can reallocate not just that time, but the space that you were going to use in, again, your customer's inbox for that event promotion for something else. So these automated tools, again, are oftentimes way more expansive than they are expensive. And the cost-benefit analysis will prove a return on investment almost every time. Next is a call forwarding system. So this is really similar, but I recently did an episode, it was actually over the summer, about installing a call forwarding system and just how much of a game changer this was for our business. And I talked about how over 80% of the calls that came into our front desk were just asking about open hours or weather or something like that. So instead, when somebody called up our Play Cafe, we had a call forwarding system set up. So there was a recording that said, okay, here are three options for you. Number one, for open play hours, press one. For party booking information, press two. And to reach a front desk member, press three. And again, eight out of 10 people that called would select number one. And they would just hear the recording, listen to our hours, and they'd feel like they got exactly what they were looking for, right? So we're serving them at a high level very, very quickly. So They didn't have to wait for a phone to ring. They didn't have to wait for a staff member to wrap up making a latte to get their answer, right? So we're serving our customers at a higher level and saving 
80% of calls that, again, just needed that recording. And if there was any announcements or if we were closing early that day or if there was a weather event, we would simply switch out our normal hour recording for that special announcement. It took like two seconds. And again, it really saved so much time for our staff members when they didn't have to answer the phone. And that allowed us to serve the customers calling at a high level, but also the customers that had already paid to be in our space. Because if our staff wasn't on the phone, you know, hours and hours a day, they're now able to be a little bit more conversational with our customers. They're able to clean a lot more. They're able to stay on top of their day-to-day tasks much more. And in a time where it's more difficult than ever to retain employees and keep them happy and keep that positive work environment, any little thing that you can do to make their job and day-to-day lives easier, you should absolutely consider it as a business owner. So again, eight eight out of 10 people clicked number one, one out of 10 people would click number two. And that allowed me to send those party requests, sometimes depending on the day and what I was doing, sometimes I would send them right to my cell phone. Because if we were super busy and at capacity in the cafe that day, I knew that the staff member who was answering that phone would be overwhelmed. It would be very loud. And they weren't going to be able to walk through those party packages in a really thoughtful and calm and understanding manner. And because that was my genius zone and parties were what I loved doing most in my business and because they were our most important revenue stream, I was absolutely okay with taking those calls. I could do it when I was nursing my baby. I could just pop into the bathroom and shut the door while my kids were watching TV, right? It still fit my definition of success. Now, of course, if I had something to do that day, I would switch it and make number two go to the cafe, especially if they weren't busy or at capacity. But that's just another example of a very inexpensive system. I think it was $29 a month. That was so much more expansive for our business than it was expensive. But again, So many people listened to that episode and I literally checked in with a lot of my Playmaker Society members and with a lot of the people that were struggling with staffing hours and answering all their phone calls and answering all their messages. And I was asking them, hey, did you implement this? And they would say, oh, well, you know, I didn't because there's not a free version or, you know, I'm trying to cut back on expenses. And again, all I hear when somebody says that to me is fear and scarcity mindset. And again, you get what you give when it comes to your business. And I I hate to sound like a broken record, but again, I've been doing this for eight years. I've seen a lot of indoor playgrounds succeed and lead to that owner's version of success. And I've seen a lot of indoor playgrounds fail. And this is a trend that is so consistent that, I mean, I know it's not scientifically proven, but I can't even think of a situation where this hasn't been true. The next of four things, so we're halfway there. The next thing I wanted to talk about is investing in a professional website. So, so many people will will pour tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars into their business location and into their build out, and they'll insist on DIYing their website, which honestly is one of the most critical factors when it comes to an indoor playground business succeeding or failing. So if you have this amazing space, or you know, even if you don't have this amazing space, but you have this website that is clunky, it's clearly a DIY job, it's not a great user experience, it doesn't have a lot of automated booking, it's 
you know, maybe there's a lot of text block and it's really hard to read or, you know, whatever the case may be, you can, I can tell within three seconds if an indoor playgrounds website was professionally designed or if they did it themselves. And I just really never understand why people choose to go the DIY route for something that is so crucial to not just their short-term success and making sure they open successfully, but also their long-term success. So again, a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, you know, a professional web designer is $5,000 or they'll look at our website because we offer web design services that are, by the way, much less expensive. They're around six to $1,200. And they'll say, oh, you know, I could easily do this myself. I could save that money and I could put it towards something else. But I promise you, if you buy another slide or another pack of coffee or something like that with that $600, I promise you it's not going to translate as much in terms of revenue or missed revenue and missed bookings because you didn't have a professionally done high converting website. So again, that's one that I see all the time. And those of us who end up doing their own websites usually end up hiring a professional down the road, but who knows how many bookings and how much revenue they missed out on simply because their website was difficult to navigate or they didn't have automated event booking or anything like that. Because I would say at least 90% of our parties or events or memberships that were purchased were done after our business hours. Parents need that flexibility to be able to do this kind of stuff on their own time. So again, that's another perfect example of something that is expansive rather than expensive. And you're going to get a return on your investment, a positive return on your investment from a professional website, whether it's my team that does it, and I'll link that information in the show notes, plug, 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 or whether it's another professional web designer that does it. Again, you're welcome to hire whoever you want, but you're always going to get a positive return on an investment. And this is something that I see a lot of people make a lot of mistakes with. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is investing in education, whether it's my course, Play Cafe Academy, or my membership, Playmaker Society, or whether it's investing in a one-on-one consultant from somebody that's not me. I see a direct correlation in terms of how quickly and how far a indoor playground reaches with their success and income. I see a direct correlation in terms of, oh, sorry, I'm going to reword that. I see a direct correlation in terms of how successful an indoor playground owner ends up and how quickly they get there with the amount of time and money they were willing to invest in education before they opened. And again, that's not necessarily saying that it has to be with me. It could be with anybody, but it is so important to learn from those who went before you so that you can fast track your success, recoup those startup costs, and maybe someday sell your business for a large profit and set up the next chapter of your life where maybe you travel or you start a college or wedding fund for your kids, whatever you want to do, right? Most of us don't plan on operating an indoor playground forever. So you have to think long-term when you're making these expensive versus expansive decisions. And to wrap this up, if you're not willing to invest in the tools and knowledge that will take your business to the next level, you are sending out the subconscious signal that you do not expect to make money. And I'm going to say that again. And if you're multitasking or distracted, come back to me. If you are not willing to invest in the tools and knowledge that will take your business to the next level, 
you are sending out a ton of subconscious signals and energy that you do not expect to make money with your business. And if you approach your business with that attitude, you will manifest that result and you will prove yourself right. Instead, if you allow yourself to think of these expenditures and purchases as expansive and lead with that attitude in your day-to-day business operations, you will also manifest that result and you will prove yourself right. You will up-level and expand. All right, Playmakers, this was probably one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. So please let me know. If this was helpful to you, send me an Instagram DM. All that stuff is linked in the show notes. But your play of the day today is simple. Number one, next time you get the opportunity to invest or not invest in your business, ask yourself if doing so is expensive or expansive and make sure you're valuing your time when you're doing your cost benefit analysis and make sure you're taking opportunity cost into the equation as well. And then number two play of the day is next time you're expecting your customers to do something, make sure your your expectations are aligned with the effort, energy, and level of investment you are bringing to the table as the owner and just make sure that they are aligned. All right, have an amazing day, Playmakers. I can't wait to see you right back here in just a couple days.